Hey guys. So it is officially our second to last episode for Sherry's Story Change Your Life season four in the month of May. I'm super excited and super sad because one, we're closing out season four, but two, that means we're getting close to season five coming to you in June. I'm so excited. I've been working with people to get a great lineup going. So um, I see that Liz has joined. Fun, fun, fun. And she's requested. Girl is on top of it today. Okay. I'm also getting ready for my May showcase with my vocal studio. So I'm hydrating and I am drinking an energy drink because it's early and I think we all need a little bit of energy this morning. Hey girl. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Let me turn my volume up. Oh, that's why I can't hear anything because it's all the way down. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we can go ahead and get started. Usually I have to wait forever for everybody to get on and everything. But so this is Liz, <laughs> if you don't know her. She's incredible. I'm going to let her introduce herself, her title, her platform, and then we're going to get into a little bit more of that today and talk about how we met, all the ins and outs of everything. Well, hey, y'all. I'm Elizabeth. Um, I am a recent graduate from the University of Mississippi. I graduated last May, so May of 2022, and I have a bachelor's degree in nutrition and dietetics and pre-med, and then minors in dance, biology, and business, and then Right now, or I guess I just finished my first year at Northwest Mississippi Community College, which I know it's weird. I did it reversed. Everyone's like, huh? But it makes sense, I promise. Um, but I was doing my pre-med prereqs there um, because I obviously did not have time in undergrad because I had three minors. So just finished those. And then in August, I will be starting my master's in public health at Ole Miss. Um, I'm based out of Oxford, but I'm from Dallas, Texas, which is where my title is. I'm Miss Richardson with uh, Miss Texas and Miss America organizations. And my platform is food insecurity, food waste, food sovereignty, all the things. All right. Well, you speak so fluently at 10 a.m. thing. <laughs> it's wild. I'm sitting here, I'm like, I've had a lot of caffeine. Okay. So. Catch up. We're going to get there. There you go. All right. Well, with that being said, first, I guess I'll introduce how we met because I always think it's fun that everybody that comes on Share Story Change a Life, I've either met or I've had a conversation with or I've I've encountered them through some event and it builds that relationship on the front end so that whenever we get on the live, it's not super duper awkward. But I met Liz competing in Miss Mississippi Volunteer last summer, which is super exciting. Obviously, I'm going back. She's going to Miss Texas. Hope. Yeah, she's going to Miss Texas. Hopefully, she's going to Miss America. <laughs> um, fingers crossed. But we met there. She was in the Miss Division. I was in teen. And she is just the sweetest, most bubbly. Like, everybody calls me and bubbly. And, you know, there's all those TikTok friends like, what color are you? You're yellow because you're bubbly. And I stand next to Liz. And I'm like, nope. That she's, she's incredible. I love her. She's amazing. And so whatever I was thinking about, you know, share, share, change your life. And who I wanted to be on this season, I've also really been thinking about implementing people who maybe they weren't necessarily affected by, you know, whatever their platform is, but they have such a heart for making others feel enough through their platform. And I think that's really what's great about yours is that, you know, you're helping others that are struggling with food insecurity and food sovereignty and all that. And it's going to help them feel hashtag enough at the end of the day. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today is how she's able to help others and one, how that fulfills her and two, how that fulfills her goal at the end of the day. Yay. So I guess we'll start get started with our first question. So 
what impact would you say receiving the necessities, the things that these children or those affected need has, what effect does that have on them? I think really the biggest effect that my platform and just food insecurity resources have in general is the food sovereignty component. Um, which is a big word. I recently learned what it was, I've, even though I've known the concept for a long time. But basically what it is, is not just having access to food, but having access to um, nutritious food. So like having access to produce or having access to meat or like all of the food groups that you need to have a healthy diet by the book. Um, so I think that is probably the most important thing that especially like food banks, food drives, food pantries can provide is just a well-rounded diet and not just like, um, like Twinkies. Yeah. <laughs> it's, covered, it's covered by SNAP, which is crazy yeah. because hot foods and produce are not covered by SNAP. So um, people have access to that, yes, but especially like in food deserts, they may not have access to produce or um, like a warm meal that isn't microwavable. So it's a big deal. I know personally, and I'm sure every single kid can relate to this. You know, if you gave us as four or five, maybe even 12, 13 year olds, if you gave us a, you know, a cosmic brownie, like a little W cosmic brownie compared to a bowl of grapes, we're going to obviously choose the cosmic brownie. It's just how we love our sugary sweets. Yeah. But today there are people that are so in need and so wanting of those whole nutritious foods because they know that it's going to make them feel better. They know it's going to make them more well-rounded, have a better diet, and overall give them the things that they need to function because, you know, we can eat a cosmic brownie or a Twinkie, like you said, and be perfectly fine because we know that we're going back home to a fridge that has nutritious foods in it that we can still fuel up our bodies with they're not in that situation. And so I think that's what's so great about your platform is that you're recognizing that just because you have food, it doesn't mean that you have the nutritious foods that you're needing. Yeah, it's so true. And I mean, half the time, um, the healthier food at the grocery store is the more expensive option. And um, I mean, options like WIC, they do have like a, a monetary allotment, which is better than SNAP, which is just kind of like you can get this food or this food. Um, but at the same time, if you have like a certain amount of money that you can spend, why would you get the healthier option when you could get the less healthier option plus something else, you know? So it's just like providing those options to people that I think people kind of forget about sometimes. I think especially in, you know, Mississippi and in the U.S., um, we're not taught good dietary planning and we're not taught good health at a super duper young age. And even if don't we are taught, we don't we don't realize the value that it's going to have in the effect because, you know, as kids, we got super duper high metabolism. We take that for granted, like nobody's business, especially as more and more foods become processed. And so, you know, we get in a situation whenever we're older where we're like, well, it's cheap and it's yummy. So let's just keep doing that. And we take for granted all the amazing resources that we have access to. And I think if we learned that at a super duper young age and we learned the value of treating our bodies right and that you know, we're really taking the opportunity that's being laid at our feet for granted because so many other people don't have it, then we would, you know, learn better dietary planning. We would eat better. We would love and take care of our bodies more. And then maybe even be able to realize the effect that helping somebody else might have. So yeah, you're, you're spot on. You're about to get 
stepping on my soapbox. I'm like, don't get me started about how nutrition is not taught well in schools. <laughs> I always think, of, you know, I go into the lunch line. Sometimes I take my lunch. I've been taking my lunch a lot recently, especially near the end of the year. Um, right. But it's ingrained in pretty much every child's memory as you walk into the cafeteria line, the little tray made out where it's like produce, fruit, veggie. And like, we know it's all coming out of a can and they're having to feed hundreds of children at the end of the day, they're doing their very best to give us, you know, what they can. But I think we don't necessarily stick to that whenever we're outside of the cafeteria at school. And even some schools don't necessarily enforce that, you know, it may be up, but at the end of the day, we're not really teaching them to stick and abide by that. So. It's all about, you know, learning that whenever you're really young, ingraining it into your memory and making it muscle memory so that whenever you're older, you can really enact those things that you learned. Exactly. You're so right. <laughs> I try sometimes. I was like, thinking about this. I was like, I've never really thought about like food insecurity, um, like, you know, the food deserts or food sovereignty or any of that. I was like, that's huge. Like I even did a little research and like looked it up and I was just like, so many people are affected by this and it's just it's insane and it's crazy because you never think that you know food would be as big of a problem as it is whenever you look at the scheme of things it's an enormous problem especially in mississippi i mean we're the number one slash number two depending on the year state for food insecurity like i mean seriously like this is like the hub for you know all of those issues so that's why i do so much of my work and that's why i wrote my dissertation on food insecurity here because it is such a big problem um and i feel like it starts here and there's so many resources that are available even here that people just don't even know about so and i love the fact that you know obviously you come from dallas texas but you're based in mississippi and i love how you kind of join those two worlds because it would be so easy to just go to texas and you know completely adapt to a new platform, maybe something that's a bigger issue over there. Now, granted, in the South, we love our fried food. So I think bad dietary planning or any of that would not be permissible over there. But I love how, you know, you just take the two worlds and you mesh them so easily. You stick to what you believe in. You stay true to what you know and what you've taken the time to learn. Because obviously, your degree that you just got um, graduated from last year play such a big factor into obviously what you believe in as well I mean you went and made a whole lifestyle out of it so, so true. I mean that's just incredible to me oh. Uh, oh, I love this question because you know I don't know I just love this question I love personal stories but what is one interaction that made you feel accomplished or feel as though you have a sense of knowing that you affected somebody else I don't think it's like one specific encounter. I kind of just feel like it's in general when I'm working at these facilities, because even though a lot of the work for food insecurity and food waste is legislature and behind the scenes stuff, I do obviously still want to be, you know, like interacting with people. I'm a people person. Like you said, I'm very bubbly. I love to talk to people. So my favorite thing is to get to volunteer at the food pantries and the food banks. And I think just in general, getting to see people um, realize that they, that they have options is so cool. So um, for the most part, food banks have a pretty consistent um, stream of inventory, but there are times when um, sometimes, you know, they're missing flour or they're missing the more common items that everybody wants. So 
when you get to give somebody something that they've specifically asked for or um, you can tell that they're trying to get all the ingredients for a specific dish and you happen to have all of them, that is probably the most rewarding thing that I've experienced through my platform just because, um, I mean, in my opinion, everybody should have access to food that they want to eat and especially nutritious food. So when you're able to provide that to somebody who can't afford it themselves, it's, it's really special. I know whenever I went and worked at DeSoto Dream Center, which is an incredible organization, love them, but it was, this was whenever I was junior Miss Magnolia State, so this was about two years ago whenever I had this specific opportunity, and it was freezing, like, yeah. in the negatives, and honestly, <laughs> we're not down there that often. No. <laughs> very, very cold. I was bundled up in, you know, like, four different jackets, gloves, scarves, a hat. I had my sack fiddling with my <laughs> three pairs of sweatpants and my boots. And I'm sitting there and I'm carrying around these giant boxes. And I'm like, dang, I'm still cold. I'm hungry. And I'm like carrying around these food boxes and I'm loading them up. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, these people, I had, we had people pulling up with full on shopping carts, needing food, needing necessities. And I was sitting there and I was, you know, passing them out. And I was very grateful to be a part of that opportunity. But I'm sitting there and I'm like, I get to go home. I get to go home to a warm house, to a fridge full of nutritious, yummy food that my family paid for and wasn't able to afford. And I just spent an hour outside thinking about nothing except for how miserable I was in that one hour moment. Yeah. And I went back and I did it again with a completely different mindset. And I, okay. We're gonna we're gonna try this again, and we're gonna think a little bit differently, and we're gonna enjoy our time here because at the end of the day, I'm helping others go and get you know maybe even just the bare minimums of what they need to get through the next week. You know, we were loading up four and five food boxes into each of these families' cars, into each of these shopping carts, and they're driving away, and I don't know where they're going. I don't know what their life is gonna be like for the next week, for the next month, whenever I see them next. But I know that I helped somehow. Mm-hmm. That I, whenever I went back in that second time, and I was like, okay, you did something right. You did something good. And now I get to go home and feel, you know, worthy of going and sitting in my warm house with my fridge full of food. It was much more re- re- rewarding the second time to know that something had gone right rather than thinking about it as something was going wrong. Yeah, I love that do it without even thinking, I feel like, half the time, because we're so used to, you know, what we're used to, and um, a lot of the times, not by our own fault, we're just like, oh, I assume everybody has this, because I have it, obviously, and that's not the case in Mississippi, especially, so that's so true. And I think, especially, you know, I go and do hashtag year enough presentations, which are not about food, really, whatsoever, but whenever you're talking about just knowing that they were having the resources they need to, you know, go and make a specific dish or go and fulfill this need that they wanted or have fulfill this want that they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have certain presentations where obviously there are no specific super intimate encounters, but that exact same thing happens whenever I go in and I give a hashtag near enough presentation and there aren't any specific small encounters because I know that I've given a wide majority of people the tools that they need. Exactly. So, just knowing that there's people out there like you, like me, like so many other girls in Mississippi and states across the U.S. that have a passion, that have a fight, that have a want to help people and give them the tools that they need to succeed in whatever field, 
or area that may be. It's just incredible and it's heartwarming to know that there's people like that that are out there. So thank you for everything that you do. <laughs> um, okay, next question. When did your fight for less food insecurity first start? Like when did it become something that you knew that you wanted to make a difference in? I think probably around the time that I decided to major in nutrition. Um, I, full disclosure, decided to major in nutrition because it was going to fulfill the prereqs for med school, or some of them at least, um, and nursing school, which is what I initially wanted to do before I changed. Um, so that was my initial motivation because it wasn't biology and it wasn't forensic chemistry and it wasn't anything like super difficult, but it was also interesting and applicable to my daily life. So that was why I started with my nutrition major. But once I got into it, I realized that it was so much more than just like, you know, try to eat all four macronutrients in every meal. It was also, you know, um, community health and public health, which is what I'm about to do my master's in. And, um, you know, making sure that people understand what SNAP is and what WIC is and, you know, understanding what a food desert is and how we can best alleviate food insecurity. Um, and during my sophomore year, I got to start on my dissertation, which was on food insecurity and collegiate athletes during the COVID-19 pandemic, which was really awesome because it was um, using research that had already been done by a grad student that was also in my program. And she um, had worked directly with the Ole Miss athletics to get that research. So it was not just in Mississippi, like not just in Oxford, but at my university just kind of an up close lens at what the relationship between, you know, social um, cohesion and um, social capital and food insecurity was, which was crazy because while I assumed that there were some people, I think subconsciously that didn't have the adequate amount of food, I don't think I recognized that it was happening literally in my community on my campus, maybe next door, which was just really eye opening to me. So that was kind of what sparked my interest and got me um, passionate eventually about it and made me decide to make it my platform. Well, you were talking earlier about how whenever you went to go and get your degree, about how you went into dietitian, dietary? Yeah, it's like nutrition and dietetics. Okay, yeah. perfect. There we go, we got a name for it. Um, how one of the things that they taught you was what? Stamp? Stamp? Now. Snap. Oh my goodness. Snap. Yeah. Okay. Would you like to explain what those are? Because I am also completely oblivious to what they are. I know they're probably pretty complex, but if you want to go ahead and just give us a little brief synopsis so everybody's learning for the better while we're on here this morning. Yes. And please let me know. I like throw around those words that we use on the reg in nutrition classes and like completely forget that people like in their everyday lives have no idea what that yeah. means. It's completely fair. I um, <laughs> It's normal, you shouldn't, yeah. Um, but SNAP and WIC are basically just government-funded programs. So WIC stands for Women, Infant, and Children. So it's for single moms or um, single parent households that have younger kids. And it's basically a dollar allotment that they can use every month to purchase food. And then SNAP is more broad. It's kind of just like, it's like food stamps, if you've ever heard of food stamps. That's pretty much what SNAP is. So you have like a list of things that you're able to get with your SNAP benefits. So like I said, they don't include like, um, you know, hot foods or produce 
or um, you know things that we would typically buy at the grocery store a lot of the time. But they do include like um, you know desserts and um, things that aren't necessarily the primary food option that you would want to eat if you were choosing to eat um, by the book and healthy. So um, so yeah, there's lots of like legislature, like I said, lots of things yeah. behind the scenes behind that. Um, but for the most part, they're just government funded programs that try to attempt to alleviate hunger. All right. Well, there's there's a little lesson for the day. <laughs> yeah. no, I, I completely get it whenever you're talking about like throwing around words randomly. I was in a class and I always remember I'm doing an anxiety presentation. I We do this cognitive behavioral therapy. Are we drinking the same Alani? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's my favorite one. It's my favorite one. So, Okay, hold on. I saw that. I was like, squirrel. Okay. No, but I was in a class, and whenever I do an anxiety presentation, I teach them a different, couple different coping mechanisms that work for a wide majority of people, and um, they're considered cognitive behavioral therapy exercises. And I'll say that, and they look at me, and they're like, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. One more time. <laughs> Throw it back. And so I'll say it again. And I'm realizing, I'm looking around, I'm like, they have no clue what I'm talking about. So I have to <laughs> What is cognitive behavioral therapy? Um, how is it a benefit? What is it going to do? Do you already like just everything? Yeah, everything. And so, yeah, whenever people talk about their platforms and stuff, I'm like, wow, so this is what it's like to be on the other side of my platform. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Yeah. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta ask, you gotta learn, but hopefully, I learned a little bit from hopefully. this field right there. Very beneficial. <laughs> All right. And then we're going to round it out with our very last question. This has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so, so much. Oh my gosh, um, I, fun. <laughs> I want to know one quote, life motto, metaphor, simile, whatever you want to use, um, that you say often or that you remind people of to make them feel hashtag enough. Um, I don't really have one from like a specific famous person, but one thing that my friends make fun of me for saying a lot is just to feel all the feels. Um, we just got out of dance competition season, which I was on the Northwest dance team while I was doing my pre-med prereqs. I have to be involved if you can't tell. I cannot sit still. Like I have to be like in every organization possible. Um, but whenever we were going through that process, it was obviously a lot and we were dancing like upwards of 10 hours a day, every single day with no break. So obviously like we're tired of being with each other. We're tired in general, like our bodies hurt. We've done the same thing for X, Y, Z amount of days. So, you know, emotions are running high and um, they would always make fun of me because, you know, one of my teammates would be like, I oh, mean, I just like really need to cry. And I was like, oh my God, like, let's do it together. Like if you cry, <laughs> cry like, It'll be so fun. They would like look at me like I was crazy at the beginning of the year. And I was like, what? And they would be like, well, I don't want to cry in front of everybody. I was like, why? Like, why? like you should. Like, it's so, it's so like, you know, alleviating, I guess, because, you know, um, if you if you just cry in public, like, that's kind of I feel like that's kind of what we like try to like hold back from. But I feel like if you just do it, like, then who cares, you know? So um, it's not really related to my platform, but it's something that I've been like trying to like hold myself accountable to because I tend to like bottle up my emotions and like not let them out. So I've been trying to like 
be very conscious of like, okay, I really feel like I need to cry right now. And even though I'm in the middle of the grocery store and like running my errands, like I'm going to cry because I need to cry. And that's my body telling me that I'm sad. So I should do it. And it's the same thing with nutrition. Like um, people always ask me like what the biggest myths are with nutrition. And the biggest one that I say is that you shouldn't eat past like what, 9 p.m. Is that what people say? Crazy like that. Um, which is just like not true. Like I don't, I don't know like where I've ever heard. Like I just don't understand where anybody got that from. It makes no sense. Like if your body is telling you that it's hungry, then you should eat, even if you wake up in the middle of the night. If your body wakes you up at 11 p.m. and you're like, "Man, I'm hungry," yeah. you should go eat. Like that's exactly what you should do. And it's the same thing with your emotions. So. Um, not really related to my platform, but it's been kind of my new thing this this year, I guess. I've got like three or four things before we end. One, we have someone asking if we take questions. You want to take a question? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Alexis, you want to ask your question for us? If you're still on, I know I kind of put you off for a second. Ask, have anyone ask you want to ask a question? We should do that. Like have an open forum. Q&A? Let people throw it in. Yeah, might as well, right? All right, I'm going to give her time if she wants to, to type out our question. But no, what you were saying about your quote, you know, feel all the feels that is something that I absolutely love because more often than not we feel either invalidated to not feel because you know somebody else is going through something worse or you know we feel like it's hard to be vulnerable and to be honest and open about what we're feeling because other people are able to hide their emotions so well everybody else's life is perfect so why should we be having these sad emotions if we're in a beneficial or um just a situation situation where we may have the necessities that we need so I love that feel all the feels I'm gonna start using that all the time because you know I'm in the middle of my dance season right now too and I think something that got the best of me last year was I wasn't really open about my feelings I didn't really say what I was thinking and didn't feel what I was feeling and it ended up you know being one of my biggest downfalls throughout the seasons and so I'm gonna use that this year thank you very much <laughs> Alexa as well what is your best advice for college students? That's a good question. Stop. I love this question. Um, I was an orientation leader last summer for Ole Miss. After I graduated, like, that's how much I loved it. I stayed the whole summer and just wanted to help the incoming freshmen. That's, like, so my heart. I had a Bible study all throughout um, undergrad also. That was for freshman girls. So thank you so much for asking this question. This just, like, made my day. Um, I think my biggest advice for college students and something that I would tell all my orientation kids is to, it sounds really dark, but let me explain it. Um, I came from Texas, obviously, so I came to Ole Miss. I didn't know a single person, so I was just kind of like, here we go. We'll see what happens. Like, who knows? Um, So I think, like, the biggest thing, especially for kids that are going out of state or even just going to a college that they don't know many people at, is to just recognize that, like, you're probably not going to have good friends for like a solid year and like that is completely normal like that is so normal it hurts like I just always tell them to think about like their best friends and their closest friends that they have currently and then I ask them okay how long did it take you guys to become close like how long did you guys know each other before you guys became best friends probably not two weeks like yeah and unnatural so just like being okay with like having um, a large group of acquaintances and being open to, you know, go to church with somebody on Sunday if somebody on your dorm floor asks you to or leaving your dorm floor or your dorm door open, like getting a door stopper to hold it open. Um, 
all the things like going to organization meetings, even if you have like the slightest bit of interest. I did um, student government my sophomore year, absolutely hated it. But like I met so many people and like got to meet like a whole different group that I would have never met if I wouldn't have done it that one year. And I'm still friends with half of them today. One of them is my grand little. So like, even though I literally hated it with all my heart and like was like, gosh, it's Tuesday, I have to go to student government, someone kill me. I like love all those friends. So just being like extremely open, like being willing to try new things and just recognizing that like, even if everyone else is posting on social media with like their friend group, like they're probably not like BFFs and like good for them, you know, like, and you can do it too. Like post on your Instagram if you take a cute pic with some randos, like whatever, who cares? But like also recognize that like that is not reality and like they're probably like don't know each other's last names and like it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> You've done it. You just met each other. Like it's not normal to be like, yeah, like we're sisters. We do everything together after a month. Like that that's weird. <laughs> yeah. That's my biggest advice. Especially the thing about and obviously I'm not in college yet just I'm going into my senior year this upcoming year but I've been in several situations where I'm the newbie whether that be you know clubs groups classes whatever it is and I look around I'm like I know nobody in here yeah (laughs) and I leave the class and I always like to say that especially in like high school or you know if you're in a club for a little bit you're gonna have like momentary friends and you can consider them your friends absolutely no problem but I've had to come to terms with in several classes that, you know, I'm probably going to be friends with this class, with this person in this one specific class, not talk to them a lot afterwards. And then whenever we're in class together again, be friends with them again. And there's no problem with that just because like, obviously nothing bad happened. There's nothing wrong with that person. It's just a friendship. That's nice to have that you can rely on whenever you're in a situation where you might feel alone. Yeah. I so would, yeah, we're, that's, so, you know, that's one of the, the biggest perks of college is just that like you don't have to hang out with somebody if you don't want to like it's not high school where you're going to see them every single day for the next four years you're probably never going to see them again um even if you have the same class like they might not come to class like starting halfway through the semester so like if you don't want to hang out with somebody and like you're like oh i don't want to like hurt their feelings like you can just like literally like do your own thing and it's cool like no hard feelings and um that was like one of the my favorite things that i realized about college whenever i got there is that everybody's just like down to make friends and get to know each other and if it works out and you guys click you guys can be friends but if not like who cares you know no one's no one's upset no one's like oh she hurt my feelings yeah it's just like we didn't I've, who cares it's like go find one of them it's fine yeah 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 i think that's one thing that we have to get better about as people is like learning to say no yeah um I think we get stuck in a lot of situations, especially like toxic friends, toxic relationships, just because we're like, we don't know how to say no because we're scared of hurting somebody's feelings. We're scared of making somebody feel bad and being responsible for that. And I think one thing that I've learned kind of early on, and I think a lot of people learn in college, is that friends are, that people come into your life for a reason, for a season, or for a lifetime. And I love that. I love that. Um, and so many people are going to come come in and out of your life for a reason and so many people are going to come in and out of your life for a season and some are going to teach you things some aren't and that's perfectly okay and if you ever want to say no to a situation that you feel like may not be the best for you you have every right to do so you're your own person at the end of the day you're responsible for you and if you're not making you happy first then you're failing and there's no reason to be failing whenever you have complete control of the situation 
So, heck yeah. You don't want anybody in bed. Thank you so, so much. I feel like we just, you know, preached to the choir and I'm totally down for it. Um, I can feel our Alani's kicking in for oh, sure. Yeah. Um, but I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I hope you all tune in with us next week to talk to Miss Lydia Fisher, Miss Delta Blues volunteer. And we are going to talk to her a little bit about her platform, her story, and just get to know her and, you know, feel all the feels with her. I love that. I'm so excited to say that all the time. I love it. But thank you so much for coming on. I feel like I learned so much. I hope our audience learns so much. And anybody that's going to watch this afterwards learns a lot, too. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it so, so very much. Thanks for having me. This, this is a blast. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, guys. Bye, y'all.